Hello again, and welcome back to the Girls Chase podcast. I'm Barun Raja, and today we have a very special guest, Caleb Jones, a.k.a. The Black Dragon. In his 40s and divorced, Caleb has ever since transformed his life. He runs his own blog advocating for a very holistic approach to masculinity, which includes business, fitness, mental health, relationships, as well as the other elements we all strive for. I attended one of his seminars earlier this year and was inspired by his approach to women and seduction. Rather than focusing on pickup and seducing many women, Caleb strives and succeeds in keeping women as non-monogamous long-term partners. Today, we present a very different insight of seduction, discussing, first, the general types of men and women that operate in the world today, moving to a discussion of types of relationships that we can have, and finally, after a quick intermission, we'll go over the specifics of creating and managing harmonious, non-monogamous relationships. Hello, Caleb. Welcome to the Girls Chase podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, and how are you? Very good. So Caleb here, also known as Black Dragon, is uh, the author of the book The Unchained Man, which can be found on www.alphamalebook.com and also runs the dating website www.blackdragonblog.com. And he is 43 years old, started practicing seduction and dating and learning it all at the age of 35 years old in 2007 after being divorced and has since completely transformed his life as a self-employed business consultant and practices non-monogamy, which is basically the topic of our podcast today. So, Caleb, you write quite frequently about the alpha male and the characteristics of different kinds of guys. Like, what is an alpha male 2.0? An alpha male 2.0 is a man who is outcome independent and confident, both at the same time. And the difference between that and other types of alpha males is that the typical alpha male, the alpha male one put, at least that's the term that I use, is a man who is very confident and very capable and very successful and very woman experienced and very desirable, but he's also very outcome dependent. It's very important for him, for everyone in his life to behave a certain way he wants. And if people don't behave that way, he gets upset or at least gets very emotionally uncomfortable. So essentially that means the alpha male 1.0, or sometimes you even use the term needy alpha male, is a guy that values control over situations over his happiness or over letting That's things... That's exactly right. Just letting things happen the way they might organically happen. He has to have a say in things no matter what. Right. The operating model of the alpha male 1.0 is to control and to be heard. He wants people to do what he wants and he wants these people to listen to him. The Alpha 2.0 doesn't care. The Alpha 2.0 is too busy having fun or having sex or working on his mission or accomplishing his goals to worry about the specific behaviors of people in his life. Within normal human-to-human parameters, obviously a 2.0 doesn't want a woman murdering him or stealing his wallet. Of course. That's the obvious stuff. But beyond that, he really doesn't care. It's not a big deal to him. He's too busy working on his own life and building his own happy lifestyle rather than worrying about and micromanaging other people. Right. So in a way, you're taking accountability for yourself as an alpha male 2.0, and you're doing other things in your life such that women or what they're doing in, your, in their life are not the most important thing for you. You're constantly focused on your fitness or your health, your career, in addition to your goals and seduction. Right. And another part of that is that their non-monogamy is there's multiple women. Most alpha 1.0s, not most, but a lot, well, maybe most, at least depends on the age, have one woman. And if you have one woman, then it's hard not to get a little worked up about what she does and does not do because that one woman is your only source of female energy and sex 
and female validation, or at least romantic validation, because you only have one person. So it's easy to get more outcome dependent or on extreme levels needy when there is just one woman in your life. Same thing as if you have a business and you have just one big giant customer. Or if you have a job and don't have a business, that job is really important. So if anything goes wrong with that job, you're going to be really worked up about any problems. Whereas if you have a business with many customers, if you have a problem with one customer, you're like, okay, I got another 100 customers or 50 customers or 1,000 customers. No big deal. And also with that kind of mindset, you're also attracting more customers or in, in seduction and dating, you're attracting more women because you're so outcome independent and you're not right. controlling. Absolutely it's like true. that free-spirited sense of confidence and charisma that also attracts business people and also women and everything else in your life it sort of happens more naturally than when you try to control it. With women and with business, and they've done studies in business where with salespeople have plenty of business and plenty of income and they go in to try to get a new customer, they're far more successful even if they do the exact same things as the hungry salesperson because they, they don't need it. And people can see that in you. They can see it in your body language and tone of voice. They can see that you don't need them. And it raises the level of traction and raises their desire to be with you or do business with you or whatever. At the core of it, your mission is so grounded within yourself and in your purpose that you don't really care about other people as much. You know, if something doesn't work out, it's okay because other things will work out for you and you'll just accept it and keep going on. with. It's a lifestyle based on redundancy. Right. So there's not just one thing. There's several things. And several can, doesn't mean 10 or 100. It can mean three. I have three small businesses. I don't have one. I have three. So if I have a real severe problem with one business or it goes out of business, I'm upset, but I'm okay. If I have one business and it goes out of business, I have a real big problem. Right, exactly. And it works the same way with women. And this is also talking about the alpha male 1.0 who might be in a monogamous relationship. But if something is not going well with the woman that he's seeing, then he has to step in or has to feel like he has to get emotional in some way, angry or controlling or setting rules and parameters for her right. to fall under or else he's not happy. The alpha male 1.0 or the beta male. Any guy in a truly monogamous relationship is going to react that way usually. There are unusual rare exceptions, but generally speaking, that's correct. Well, since you mentioned uh, the term beta male, let's talk about that a little bit. What does that exactly mean? Well, if you use the scale again of confidence and outcome independence, the alpha male 1.0 is confident but not outcome independent. The beta male is neither confident nor outcome independent. So this is your typical nice guy in a way. Typical nice guy. Okay. Typical nice guy who is dominated by default by the people in his life. His boss, his family, his girlfriend, his wife. He doesn't set the rules. She does. Okay. And he knows no other way to do it. And he may not like it. He may grumble about it. A lot of beta males do. A lot of married beta males or, or beta males with girlfriends. They will complain and whine and they might argue with the woman, but eventually they'll obey and conform because they know no other way to do it. So in a way, these people don't live their own life for themselves or their own terms. They're, they're the beta always... male is not free. Okay, you're always under control of some other outside influence. And frequently, it ends up being the person you're dating or the person you're in an LTR with. In this case, monogamy, which is usually what the way it is. Yeah. What is the female equivalent? You know, we've just described three types of men. And you've written about there being a roughly 70, 20, 10% split between beta males. That's a very rough estimate. So, the, yeah, the rough, rough estimate is uh, 20% alpha 1.0, 5 or less for 2.0, and all the rest are betas. The vast majority of modern day men in the Western world are beta to some degree. 
And beta is a range. So there are complete hopeless betas who are trapped in their, you know, basements all day long and never have sex and hate everybody. And then there are confident, little more confident betas who are cool guys and, you know, they're your buddies and they, they seem alpha. But as soon as they get into a relationship, they are the submissive one. They fall into all the usual problems because they're still betas. Got it. And that's the mass majority of modern day men today. Interesting. Is beta to some degree. And how about for women? What does that slide look like? There's a loose equivalent for women. It's not exact. It's not like you can draw. There are three types of women, but it's not like you can draw an exact line from 2.0, 1.0, and beta to these types because women are different than men. But if you were to loosely do it, you have women who are what I call submissives. These are women who like it. Honestly, they honestly prefer it when a man is in charge. And that doesn't mean 100% in charge. It might mean she's 40%, he's 60%. But they are more happy and they are more comfortable when the man is in charge of most things in the relationship to some degree. That's the submissive. They don't want to be the boss. They don't like it. They can, if they end up with a beta male, or submissive. They can temporarily be that boss, but they don't like it. It's very painful for them. And this is definitely the most feminine kind of woman, you'd say. Yes, these are the most feminine type of women by far, correct. And they yes. naturally fall into attraction with very masculine alpha yes. males. Yes, alphas, typically 1.0s. When a submissive hooks up with a 1.0, she's very excited because he's very controlling and she needs a guy in charge. So for a while, it's wonderful because they both have exactly what they want for a while. Yes, submissive women are by far the most feminine type of women. When you say a submissive woman likes a controlling guy for a while, what does that look like over time? He just wears out on her and there's too many rules and there's too right. much dominance. You'll see this happen a lot with monogamous relationships. A woman, particularly a submissive or partially submissive woman, will get into a relationship with a very dominant, dominant guy and she'll love it. It'll be the, she'll be so happy for a while, for a few months, maybe a year or two. The problem is, especially again nowadays in the Western world in the modern era, women, even submissive women, don't like to be controlled in an overbearing way for a long period of time. So she will start to hate it. And she'll, you'll start to have all kinds of problems and all kinds of conflicts and eventually she'll leave. Submissive women aren't going to give a guy a lot of arguments and screaming and yelling, but they are going to leave. Submissive women are very good at suddenly leaving. <laughs> They're really good at that. All women are good at that, but submissives especially. They'll just leave and they'll move on to someone else who is, again, controlling but not as controlling. And that's not just a submissive thing. That's a feminine thing. Women never like what they have. Right. So you'll always get bored at some point in time. Women in particular are designed to get bored biologically with men. Yes. Interesting. So it doesn't matter what type they are. That's just how women work. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about a very broad spectrum, but, you know, everything stays consistent at the very base level. That's right. And so we just discussed submissive women. What about the other kinds? Uh, what's the uh, – there's two other types, you say. There's two other types. So the other type is the most common type, at least in the modern era, is what I call dominance. And these are women who are the opposite of submissives. They need to be in control to some degree. They need to set the agenda. To some degree. Now, again, it doesn't mean 100% zero. It might mean that they need to be the 70% boss and he's the 30% boss. They, and it might be that if a man is a 0% boss or 5% boss, they get turned off. And they'll say, I'm not a dominant. I don't need to control things. But if you watch carefully, it's more than 50%. And that's most – that is now – that has become the societal norm. That's most women today. I would guess rough estimate would be about 60% of the women you run into in the normal Western world are going to be dominant to some degree. And that's the equivalent of the beta male for on the men's no, side. No, that's the equivalent of the alpha 1.0. The, the oh, percentages, okay. like I said, it's not an exact line. So the percentages are very different. We live in a society now where women are becoming more dominant and men are becoming more pussified. So you have a lot more beta males and you have a lot more dominant women. Okay. So yeah, there's definitely more than 50% of modern day now. I'm not talking about the 1950s. 
I'm not talking about India or China. I'm talking about modern day Western world, the majority, and not the vast majority, I would put it about 60%, are dominance. Interesting. And that's also the most common pairing is dominant with the beta male. Yes. And that's the typical thing you see in your life with your friends, with your family, on television. It's the dominant woman, either really dominant or somewhat dominant, and the nice guy or the, the somewhat nice, confident guy who takes orders and obeys and grumbles, and that's the way it goes. And that's traditional monogamy as we see it in the world today. Traditional as in monogamy today, yes. Now, many years ago, it was the alpha male with the submissive woman, and that was the standard monogamy. Of course. A little different, but, but today, you're right. Today, that is the traditional in terms of modern-day traditional setup is the strong, dominant woman with the nice guy. And of course, there's, not to say last but not least, the independent woman. Right. What does she look like? She is more or less the equivalent of a 2.0. She is a strong woman. She's very capable. But she doesn't really care about the specifics of what you do in your life or what you do in the relationship. As long as you're nice to her, she really doesn't care what you do, how you do it. She's too busy, again, very similar to the 2.0. She's too busy with her Fill in the blank. Women are very uh, much more varied than men, so it could be she's too busy with her kids. She's too busy with her school. She's too busy with her job. She's too busy with her friends. She's too busy with travel. It, women are much more nuanced than men, so it depends on what she's busy with. But there are other things in her life that she finds more compelling than bossing some guy around about how much money he's supposed to spend on a date or whether or not he picks up his socks or things like that. And this is the same as with Alpha 1.0, who might feel compelled to ask about what kind of guys her his girlfriend's hanging out with, what she's doing in her free time, who's texting her, right. all those other things. Right. And the, the feminine equivalent is things like giving him a bunch of rules. You have to be home by six, and I don't want you hanging out with your friends anymore, and you spend too much time at the bar, and things like that. That's the dominant. Correct. Okay. So on the big picture, dominant women and beta males seem to be attracted to each other. Yes. Submissive women and alpha male 1.0s or needy alphas are attracted to each other. Yes. And independents seem to be attracted to all types. Right. On, on both sides. All right. Correct. Is there a combination that doesn't work or just in your experience that is recipe for drama or other Oh, problems? yeah. There's plenty. When the 1.0 guy hooks up with the dominant woman. Because this does happen. Sometimes dominant women can relax themselves a little bit, particularly for the first three months of the relationship, and they can be very nice and very sweet until the real woman comes out. <laughs> and I say three months, that's just, a, that's, that's, you know, it, you could add or subtract whatever you want from that. But yes, you can see nuclear battles go off when you see alpha male 1.0 guys get into relationships with dominant women. It does happen. People think, well, that would never happen. No, it happens. Happens more often than you think. If you think back again through some trends, you might know. You might remember or identify that. But yeah, that's a really bad combination. Another bad combination I mentioned before is when the beta male hooks up with a submissive woman. Uh huh. And what happens, this is very common. I see this a lot. What happens is the submissive woman artificially becomes the dominant woman. She kind of fills that gap in the relationship because the guy's not going to do it. Uh, so he's not taking control. and so He's she not taking control, and she needs to. She needs that control. She wants it from him, but she needs it. If she doesn't provide it, then she becomes his dominant person. Dominant as in, again, more than 50%. But she's extremely uncomfortable. A lot of those submissive women cheat. Mm -hmm. They cheat a lot. And again, they will. there will be all kinds of drama. There will be all kinds of arguments, and then they'll leave. So <laughs> the end result's always the same here. It's always the same. Unless you're an alpha male 2.0, and then you know, you're right. free. Right. Then you're following a completely different model. But correct. Oh, very cool. I mean, are there examples you can give of uh, like a male response to certain things women say? Like, like how? 
for example, uh, a woman might say, I think it's time we should start seeing other people. How would each type of man respond? Well, let's start with the beta. So the beta would get upset and would moan and whine and cry. Cry, not literally, but you know what I mean? Guy cry. Yeah. And if she kept pushing it, he would say, I'm fine. And he would agree. I've actually jokingly told women with boyfriends like this, with beta boyfriends, I've said to women, and I'm right, you know, he would let you fuck other guys if you just sat there and demanded it. He wouldn't like it. He would argue. He would get upset, but he would do it, especially with married beta males. It happens all the time. Of course. This is appeasement to the woman and her desires. Right. And so a betas are still men. They're not going to like it. So there will be some resistance, but they'll go along with it. As long as you don't leave me, which is the swan song of the beta male and a lot of 1.0s. Look, I hate it, but just don't leave. So if it's a difference between her leaving and her fucking other guys and staying, he'll take it. He'll take her staying and fuck it. He won't like it, but he'll put up with it. The 1.0 will slam his fist on the table and say, hell no. And there will be a big, big fight. And it might even mean the end of the relationship. It's going to be very difficult for a 1.0 to verbally allow his, because they view women as property, his woman to go out and do those things. Interesting. I can't see it working in a, on a long-term basis with a 1.0. Yeah, especially if the woman is the one who's initiating it. That's just not going to fly with a 1.0. It's not going to happen. Of course, but he'll still feel the need to exert his own opinion into it and try to... Oh, he'll still argue. Oh, no. He, he will more than argue. He will argue and then he will issue orders. You better not do that again. I don't even want to fucking hear this again. Interesting. If I see you another guy on your phone, man, you're, it's, we're going to have a problem. And then finally, the Alpha 2.0 would just be like, whatever. The Alpha 2.0 would never even receive that because he would not be monogamous in the first place. <laughs> nice trick question. I, I have never, ever, ever had a woman come to me and say that because it's already the case if she wants. Okay, perfect. How about another situation? Let's say uh, a girl posts a picture of herself with a friend on Facebook. How would a beta male respond? How would an ED alpha respond? And how would a alpha 2.0 treat that? A woman posts another picture of her with a man? Yeah, some other man. Beta male wouldn't do anything. Wouldn't say anything. He might just quietly grumble. If that, yeah. he probably wouldn't care. He'd probably say, oh, neat. Oh, cool. Beta males are nice guys. And it really depends, again, on the beta male. We could have a whole discussion about the different levels of beta. You could break out beta into four or five different levels. So it would depend on what level he's in. Right, right. But there wouldn't be a problem. He probably wouldn't even say anything. Even if he didn't like it, he would clench his fist a little bit and grit his teeth, and that would be about it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't say anything. He might ask a question, oh, so, so who's that guy? I saw the guy on Facebook. And who, you know, he might get that. She might get that. That's about it. The 1.0 is going to be extremely – if it's a picture where it's obviously you know, her cousin or her brother or an old friend, he might let that fly. But if it's someone he doesn't know and it's a good-looking guy, oh, yeah, he'll, he will immediately tell her to take it down. And never wow. do that again. Again, the control and the need to have be yes. respected, <laughs> taking precedence over his happiness. That's one of the quintessential 1.0 behaviors is the, the controlling of the Facebook page, the controlling of the telephone, <laughs> the <laughs> controlling hilarious. of the Instagram. Correct. All of the public tunnels that she has in her life, he has to control and monitor to make sure that he approves. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, the alpha male 2.0 would just not give a shit at if all. If he's a true, two, if he's an aspiring 2.0, he might. If he's a true 2.0, he wouldn't even see it because he's not on his or Facebook page. He has better things to do. Oh, very nice. Well said. <laughs> and so this is, I think, a good branching off point into a bigger discussion about 
the different kinds of relationships that we can have. And I know that you are a big proponent of non-monogamy and all the benefits it has to offer, but perhaps you can take some time to share with us the different levels of relationships as you see it. Well, we've got like, there's two scales. There's the open poly non-monogamous scale and there's the monogamous scale. Of course. So, so perhaps the monogamous scale first. The monogamous scale first. So this is kind of, this is easy. Most people understand these levels. Um, at the bottom, you have, well, actually, this is a level people don't understand. So let me start with the top level. The top level, you have what I call TMM or traditional monogamous marriage, which is, it's a very specific definition. It means you get legally married. You expect the marriage to last the rest of your life. There is no prenuptial agreement and it's monogamous. Of course. So this is traditional what most of the world does today. This is what most of the world does and what most of the world aspires to someday. Yes. Most women and a lot of guys want that someday. And it's a marriage with the expectation that it'll never end. It'll always be monogamous. Neither one of us will ever get divorced. Neither one of us will ever cheat. And obviously... It's a Disney view of the world. <laughs> correct. But it's a Disney view that's been reinforced by just about everything you read and see in society. Barring things like the manosphere and things like that. Of course. That's the highest level. So the standard level, the mid-level would be LTR, which is boyfriend-girlfriend monogamous typical relationship, the, the one that we all are familiar with. And then below that, you have what's called MNS, which means monogamous, not serious. And this is a specific type where you start to date a woman and you have sex a few times and then she gives you this fun little speech. And the speech goes something like this. She goes, look, I like you and I like hanging out and I like having sex but listen, I am not your girlfriend. You are not allowed to start liking me. You better not start texting me and bugging me all the time. I am not your girlfriend. I am my own woman. I can do whatever I want. And then she says, the tail end of this, oh, by the way, you can't fuck anyone else but me. It is the absolute worst relationship on both scales. Only beta males who are very, very desperate alphas. Not even an alpha. I can't see an alpha agreeing to this, but who knows? So in this situation, she has the power to do whatever she wants, but the man does not. Right. And if he's a beta and she's pretty, especially if she's pretty or prettier than he normally gets, he will immediately agree to this. Especially if she's pretty, especially if it's been a long time since he's had sex. All those other factors come into play. But certainly if he's a beta, and it's terrible. Those are the worst relationships for a man you can possibly... <laughs> if you could come up with the worst relationship, if, if I said to a bunch of scientists, please describe the worst possible relationship that you could come up for a man that would be the MNS. Even monogamous marriage has some benefits. It's terrible, but there, even that has some benefits. The MNS has none. <laughs> You're not her boyfriend, but you have to act like one. It's awful. Exactly. So you have the responsibility without the payoff, so to speak. Right. And it's a feminine model. Women initiate this model. Men never say that to a woman. Right. Right. Okay. And of course, long-term relationships, that's what we see today. How about poly? Like, this is a relatively unknown area yeah. in the you know normal world. People don't really hear about polyamorous relationships or non-monogamy. And it's generally an unusual concept. But what are the equivalent levels on the scale that you just described? So there are, again, loose equivalents because the model is so different, at least at certain levels. But I'll, I'll start from the bottom and I'll go to the top. The bottom level is one that a lot of people are familiar with, including monogamous people, which is FB or fuck buddy or friend of benefits. That's pretty and common in the world today. Extremely common. That Even monogamous people do that for a while. The problem is that it's with monogamous people, FB is a, a very quick phase, and then they move into LTR. It is not a long-term phase. Where in the poly world, you can, I have had FBs that have lasted six, seven, eight years, either wow. consistently or inconsistently. That's incredible. Right, and I plan to have them for the, some for the rest of my life. That's just the way this works. But right, so the definition is a woman you're having sex with, you are not going out on dates, you're not cuddling after sex, you're not dating her. 
You're not romantically involved. You don't have romantic feelings. She's just your friend, and you're having sex. So you have sex. Maybe you talk for a little bit and watch a little TV, and then she goes home. And that's about it. Or maybe you go home if you're at her place. And that's it. That's the barrier of that relationship. Very simple, very straightforward. No hard feelings or no strong right, feelings of right, attachment. Right. And women love FBs. The, the, the old myth, and I think now people are starting to understand how much women like this, but the old days, maybe 10 plus years ago, men were thinking, well, women don't like that. Women don't like casual relationships. Women love them. It depends on what part of life they're in. So they're all over that. So that's the FB. That's the lowest level. And then you move up a level, and it's MLTR, which stands for – the original acronym is multiple long-term relationships. The, lo, the L, the long-term, is a little misnomer because sometimes they're not long, but it really depends on your definition of what long-term is. But MLTR means a woman you are dating. So you're having sex. You're also hanging out with her. You can go on dates. She can spend the night. You do have some romantic feelings for her. It's someone you really do care about. She cares about you. But it's open. It's non-monogamous. So you can have multiple MLTRs. She can also date guys if she wants. Usually women don't, but she can. It's much more intimate than an FB. It's someone you're actually dating. It's someone you have feelings for. Yeah, this is on a much deeper level and you're doing things besides just having sex and, you know. Right. And you want to. Something you want to do with that person. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. And maybe taking this another level, maybe you like one of these MLTRs more than the other ones, and then it might turn into what you call an OLTR. Correct. So MLTR is a range, just like kind of kind of like beta is a range. If you have two or three MLTRs, the way your brain works as a dude is that you're, there's going to be one you're going to like the best. You immediately kind of categorize these women and you put them into a hierarchy. There's going to be some MLTRs that are maybe just a notch or two above an FB. There are some MLTRs you like, and there might be one you really like. Interesting. And that's very normal and very natural. When I have multiple MLTRs, there's always a woman that I like best. Always. I have never had that. I don't think so. I'd have to go back and think. Maybe I have, but if it happened, it was for a very brief period where I had two MLTRs I liked exactly the same. That just doesn't happen with guys yeah it must be a very rare thing <laughs> yeah unless you're an exception i mean i'm sure there are exceptions every once in a while i've had one or two guys on the internet say no i can do it i can be totally in love with two women equally eh, maybe if you're an odd exception to the rule i think the vast majority of men certainly myself included you're gonna like one more than the other so it's just the way it works which is fun and that's fair and it's okay if you can manage that and you know how to manage that and women certainly will behave that way women absolutely will have a guy they like the best if they have multiple guys multiple mltrs fb doesn't matter Correct. Of course. And then the next level beyond that is OLTR, which is open long-term relationship. And that's a direct equivalent to an LTR. That's your girlfriend. And the difference between an OLTR and an MLTR is that with an OLTR, you've actually sat down with her and verbalized ground rules and parameters that you won't break. You've actually made commitments. You have made no commitments to an MLTR. You can do whatever you want under an MLTR. You can have sex with whatever you want, do whatever you like, spend your time whenever you want. OLTR, you've actually sat down and said, okay, here are the rules for our relationship. I won't fuck your best friend. I will only have sex during these times or these days or with these people or whatever. You've actually made some commitments. And you can only have one MLTR, just like you can only have one girlfriend. So when you have sex with other people under OLTR, they must be FBs, one-night stands or hookups. They can't so be someone you you're can dating. have multiple MLTRs, but you can only have one OLTR. Correct. And you can pair that OLTR with multiple FBs should you choose. Right. But you can't have romantic feelings for someone besides the OLTR. Right. And if you do, you're breaking the rule. You're really, you're really not an OLTR anymore. If you try to get two OLTRs, you really have two MLTRs at that point. You don't have an OLTR anymore. 
And in a way, on an emotional level, this is a monogamous relationship, but on a physical level, it's not monogamous. Yeah, and I don't describe it that way, and I I probably should to make it easier for monogamous people to swallow that pill. But yeah, you are monogamously, let's see, how would you want to say it? Emotionally monogamous. You are emotionally exclusive. You're just not sexually exclusive. Exactly. That's exactly right. You are exclusive. An OLTR is an exclusive relationship. You care about her, only her. You love and or have feelings for just her, nobody else. Your dick can go play around, and that's fine. But your heart, your mind, your soul, etc., whatever you want to call it, is with her. And this is what ultimately can translate into a marriage situation as well, the OLTR. Right, so the OLTR marriage is the next level beyond that, where you are actually living with a woman. You're married, I put the word married in quotes, but you're married. However, you're either not legally married or you are legally married, but you have signed a very, very enforceable prenup, keyword enforceable. And it's an open relationship. You can still hook up with FBs, again, based on whatever ground rules you and her agree to, and your finances are separate. Interesting. Those three parameters. Yeah, and then it's important to have a clear idea what that looks like for you as a man um, to not get used by the system. The, the very specific prenups that you're talking about and all right. the other conditions. That's the difference between an OLTR marriage and TMM is that if the marriage fails, and odds are it will, even if it's an OLTR, sometimes people will say, well, these relationships don't last either. You are correct. They don't. Forever relationships is not an option that we have in the modern era with the way people are. It just isn't. Unless you're already well over the age of 60. If you're 67 and you marry another 67-year-old woman, that probably will be for the rest of your life. All right, that's fine. But if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and now statistically even 50s, the odds of you staying with that person for the rest of your life are very, very low. Even if you structure it perfectly, you will probably end. The difference is how it ends. It'll end in a giant Titanic legal battle where you'll spend thousands of dollars and you'll hate each other the rest of your life, or it'll just kind of fade away and you'll be friends and no big deal. It's really amazing how a lot of the uh, mental models of the world haven't shifted from where they were a century ago, despite the rapid advancements in dating. Yeah, the, the trick is in the 1990s, this all changed. We had two things in the 90s that went away permanently from Western society. That was lifetime employment and lifetime marriage. And it took society a long time to adjust to the reality that lifetime employment no longer exists and lifetime marriage no longer exists. Now, what's interesting is that in the early 2000s, general society at large kind of started to understand and agree and admit, yeah, if you go get a job, you're not going to be there 45 years. You're going to have to get several jobs throughout your life. They came to terms with that relatively quickly. We have still not, society at large, come to terms with the marriage one. It happened at the exact same time. It still happened in the 90s. But we are still clinging to this concept of, no, if you find the right woman and if you game her during the marriage and if you screen a lot, you can marry a woman and be with her for the next 45 years of your life. It can work. It can't. We haven't emotionally accepted this yet from the 90s. We will. It'll be another decade or two. We'll get there. Yeah, and then I guess all this will be much more normal and accepted in the world and much more practiced by everybody. Yes, every decade it's going to get more and more common. That's cool. That's cool. So the bulk of this podcast would be introducing guys to the Black Dragon system on the phases and process to develop an open or polyamorous relationship. How does one start and what is the impetus for really setting up an open situation with a girl? The relationship, the non-monogamous relationship begins as soon as you meet her. (laughs) I see this a lot online. I just had sex with this girl two or three times. How do I convert this into a relationship? 
It's already too late if you're asking that question. The relationship begins as soon as you meet her. The very first moment of the very first meet or the very first date in terms of face-to-face contact if you're online. That's when the relationship or the groundwork for the relationship begins. A lot of people don't understand that <laughs> with the moment you meet her, she makes a judgment on you and she also kind of feels out who you are and what you want from her. And so that is the beginning of your interaction and you have to make it be very clear about what you want from the very beginning. Yeah, it's hard with guys, especially guys with a strong PUA background to get that because they're more focused on getting laid, getting laid, getting laid. And that's important. You should get laid. You should get laid fast. But you want to make sure you're getting laid under a greater context of what you want and what you don't want. If all you want are one-night stands, then get laid under that context. If what you want is to create a series of long-term non-monogamous relationships, which is all I want. Whenever I go on a first date with a girl, that's all I'm thinking of. I don't care about having sex once or twice. That makes no sense to me at all. So every time I'm on a first date or when I first meet a woman, that goal is always in the back of my mind, at at least in my subconscious mind. I am here to develop a long-term, non-monogamous relationship with her while I will be seeing her at least off and on for a long, long time, five years, 10 years plus. Hey, now, backtracking a little bit, what you describe is a very distinct difference in the minds of a lot of pickup artists versus people just interested in learning dating, which is that PUAs seem to want to get a high number count and constantly be laying new girls. Whereas guys like you, for example, see it very differently. You seem to want to spend less effort on the dating process, but more effort actually keeping around and having regular sex with her. Exactly. You said it exactly right. I don't see the point. And again, this is just my personality. Every guy is different. If a guy really has sat down and he's really analyzed internally, what will make me happy is to have 100 one-night stands with 100 different women, and that will make me happy, then that's fine. I have no problem with that. That's okay. If you just kind of fall into the trap of, I want to fuck a lot of girls because you really haven't sat down and thought about what you want, then that's a problem. But yeah, men who honestly have made the decision to just fuck a lot of girls, one or two night stands, you know, that's fine. That's fine for them. It goes back to what you want. But yes, my attitude is the exact opposite of that guy who wants to have sex with 100, 150, 200 women. My attitude is if I have to go have sex with someone new every time I have sex, that's a lot of work. Because having sex with a brand new woman is a lot of work. I don't care what game you choose, night game, day game, clubs, online dating sites. It doesn't matter. That's a time-intensive and emotionally intensive process. I don't want to do that every time I want to have sex. Are you kidding me? I'd kill myself. I'd rather just be at my office, which happens almost every day. I'll be at my office, maybe 3 o'clock in the afternoon, pull out my phone, send three different texts to three different women, and one scheduled that night, and I know I'm getting late. Uh, so it's less effort for you, and you have more time to do other things in your life than just chase women all the time. Exactly right. My background is time management consulting, so I'm a big time management nerd. And so to me, managing a group of FBs and MLTRs is far more time management friendly and far less stressful and far less time consuming than hitting a club four or five nights a week because you want to get laid twice this week. It just, ugh. Now, again, that's my personality. A lot of guys really like pickup and really like the process of pickup and the process of going to a club or the process of hitting up women on Tinder. They like that process. I don't. I'm too busy making money and working in my business and having sex with women I know and spending time with my children and very, things very like that. Very, very cool. I, I like that you broke down that difference. And, you know, Caleb is an alpha male and there's many different types of alpha males. So just wanted to make that distinction. Right. That it's okay to want either. But there are guys out there that don't want to keep on picking up women and still have lots and lots of sex with many different girls. Yes. 
And that's me to a T, and that's the way I've always been. I just didn't know how to do it. <laughs> that's when I was very drunk. cool. <laughs> so, but a key part of this is, you know, setting that up from the very get go, from the very time you meet a woman, your whole vibe is to set that right. intention up with her. Right. So the vibe is, and I call this the EFA phase. EFA stands for early frame announcement. And that is the mostly nonverbal, but there's some verbal in there messages you send to a woman that you communicate or subcommunicate to a woman of who you are, why you're there, who you are not, and why you are not there. So if you have a guy who is on a first date, and I'll, I'll use a first date as an example because that's what I do. I do online dating. So I have a lot of first dates when I'm in that zone. Interesting. And usually I'm not because I have FBs and MLTRs. But when I'm in that mode and I'm on a first date, if you picture a first date with a guy and he's leaning forward and he's staring right at her and he's nodding his head and he's agreeing with everything she's saying and he's telling her how pretty she is and he's talking about how he wants to get married and have kids someday, that's the EFA of a monogamous boyfriend. That's a, the EFA of a provider. That's a classic beta male stuff. So guess what she'll do? Assuming she's attracted to you or likes you at least a little, she's going to fall into that mode and into that zone with you and start treating you that way. Now, the opposite extreme would be the extreme alpha male 1.0 PUA player guy who shows up and his, you know, his clothes are kind of fucked up and his hair is kind of fucked up and he's leaning back and he's joking around and he's running game and he's, he's keynoing her a lot. He's teasing her and he's negging her and he's going. That's the EFA of a guy who, in terms of what the woman is thinking, this guy's going to fuck me once or twice and I'll never see him again. So that's, that's a total 100% player in a way. That's 100% player. So if you visualize a scale, on one end is player and on one, the other end is provider. I just gave you both extremes. And the EFA that I have found the best for this model is 85% player, 15% provider. It's not 100% player because then what will happen is you'll have sex. If you get laid, she'll be gone after a night or two. Right, because you're only a player and she usually has a one-night stand, a one-time experience. Right, right. And she has ASD and what they call buyer's remorse and all that other good stuff. Right. If you're a 100% provider, she's going to make you wait five or six dinner dates before you have sex at all. And assuming she's – that's assuming you last five or six dates. You don't want that either. <laughs> of course. Right. So you want a lot of player, but you want to inject just a little bit of provider in there, a little bit of in your EFA that, you know, I am a player. I'm an alpha male, but I'm also kind of a responsible guy. I'm kind of organized. I'm a steady guy. I'm a static guy. I'm here to stay. So you give her a little bit of hope to basically say this could turn into something serious, even though your dominant personality right. is. Which in my case yeah. is true. By the way, my EFA is 100% congruent with who I am and the truth. Something serious would be wonderful. It's not a lie. It's not a bluff. It's something you really are coming at from your heart and from your soul. So that way, when it comes out of you, it's very congruent. <laughs> it's not game. You're just displaying what you are in a more Of course, this way. is coming back to another key element of masculinity, which is to be absolutely certain about what you want in your life and your core mission. So. Right. Everything I talk about, you have to go back to that. You have to sit down and d describe for yourself and think about exactly what you want. If you don't do that, you're going to have problems. In all because areas you won't be congruent with the right. person that you really are <laughs> on the surface. Exactly. That's pretty awesome. So the EFA phase, which is when you're really establishing the context of this relationship, it starts with the first date in your point of view. And when is it really like instilled in your partner? The EFA goes on for a long time, but the actual EFA phase lasts about two weeks. Okay. It's about two weeks to get her to understand what kind of man you are, what kind of man you're not. About two weeks or so, and two weeks is a rough estimate. Maybe it could be a week, maybe it could be a month. It depends on the circumstances, your personality, her, etc. And then you move into the second phase, which is called the implicit phase. And the implicit phase goes from the end of the EFA phase, which is about two weeks, 
till three to five months, depending on how good you are. <laughs> of course, your level of skill. And, the, and how much experience you have, right? And the better you are at establishing non-monogamous relationships, the longer the implicit phase lasts and the longer the better. And the implicit phase is you are going to behave like a man who is polite and respects her, but who is not monogamous. You're still out playing around with other women and she knows it. But it's implicit. It's not stated. In a way, you're extending out the so-called dating phase where it's still somewhat casual. Yeah. As far as and fast as right. we, not, not as fast as you can. You can slow it down as much as you can so it lasts as long as it can possibly can. Yes. That is one of the side effects of the system. Right. It takes that honeymoon period and shoves it out much farther. Oh, beautiful. Correct. Well, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the implicit phase, you're not really talking about what you are. That comes later on. Right. Implicit means you're not saying it, you're just doing it. So maybe she comes to your house and she sees an earring on your mm. counter, for example. But you're not going to sit her down and say, now listen, I'm fucking other girls and you have to be okay with it, Alpha Male 1.0. Or you're also not doing this. If she says, you know, are you still sleeping with other women? And it's, again, it's within the implicit phase. You don't say, uh, no, no, just you. No, well, now you're cheating. <laughs> First of all, two things. One is you're lying. Two is you're cheating. Three is you have created a monogamous mindset. If she says, are you having sex with the women? You say no when you are. She now thinks you're monogamous, and in a way you kind of are. So you fuck everything up by saying no. Now, the other extreme is you don't want to say yes. If you say yes, she's going to go, well, what the fuck? And you're going to have all kinds of problems. You, then you'll get into a big, giant relationship discussion that is way too soon. It's way premature at that point. You don't want to have any discussions yet. You'll have them, but not yet. Have them later. Of course. And yeah, we're pointing out to some mistakes a lot of guys do is that they decide to talk about these things or bring them up way before they really should. Yeah. And that's actually most guys. If you mix alphas and betas together, most guys, if you do studies, they've done studies on this. Most relationships, again, these days, not talking about the 1950s, but these days, most relationship talks are initiated by the guy. It's the guy that goes to the woman and says, so I think we should be together and I don't want you seeing other guys, so I think we should be a boyfriend, girlfriend, couple. Well, however they want to say it, but it's often the guys. It used to be the women who would come to the guys. Nowadays, it's the only way around. Women play it cool for about three months, even if they really like you. Women are really good at this these days. They're very good at playing it cool and not coming off as too needy, whereas guys are the ones who get really needy or very territorial in the case of an alpha male and start and is there a reason stuff, why right? guys do that? You know, whether they're beta or alpha, why do they feel a need to verbalize their intention or why do they feel a need to, in the case of an alpha male, really try to control? Fear of other men intruding upon his property. Interesting. So if it's a beta male, it's the fear of loss. If I don't knock her down and wrap her up, some other alpha is going to take her. I had a guy, a friend of mine, a client I used to work with a long time ago, good looking guy, guy in his 20s, very confident, high income guy. And we were all talking about marriage and how stupid marriage was. And he was married. He was married to a girl who was pretty. And he literally said it. He said, you know, I, yeah, you're right. But you know what? I had to marry Susie. I had to. Someone else would have scooped her up. Interesting. Classic beta view of how women are. I have to make these compromises or else someone else will take her. And then I'll be alone and I'll cry. And then right. you'll be miserable in your head, basically. And then you'll be miserable. And then they get back into the one I see stuff. No woman is as good as her. There's no other woman on planet Earth. There's several billion, but none of them are as smart and pretty and fun as she was. Right. The alpha male, it's fear of another guy intruding. If there's another guy touches this woman, I'm going to get my shotgun and go kill somebody. That's the alpha male. But it's both from a place of fear and scarcity. Uh, yes, the scarcity mentality is a big one. <laughs> it's huge. That's what monogamy is based on. 
to many degrees. Is, is and interestingly enough, these same ment- uh, mindsets are what ends up crashing the relationship in the end anyway. You know, if you're scarce before you get going, you'll probably be have the scarcity mentality afterwards as well. Of course. And the more drama and bullshit you'll put up with her later. Because you think so you have really to. the only answer for God to be truly happy is to be completely outcome independent and let the woman do what she wants. Let her be with you for who you are truly deeply inside. As much as his personality will allow and as much as is feasible in his life. Okay. Yes. We'll never be perfect and different personalities will have different levels of problems with okay. this. Okay. But yes, the answer okay, is yes. So in right. the four phases of developing an OP poly, we talked about EFA, which lasts about two weeks or so. And you're saying also that this happens after you achieve lock-in, which is you have sex with a woman twice, correct? Right. So the line that you need to visualize between the dating phase and the relationship management phase is right after you have sex with a woman the second time. And that means the second time in a different circumstance, not the second time on the same night. So as soon as you have sex with a woman the second time, most women, not all, but the majority of women... For some reason, I don't understand. I'm sure it's biological. Link up in their heads. This is now the guy I'm having sex with. It is now normal for me to have sex with this guy. That's why so many women can one night stand you because you've only had sex with them once. That's when a lot of the ASD spikes is after that's that first time Oh, yeah, time that buyer's sex. remorse. <laughs> right. It happens to me too. Buyer's remorse, exactly. But if you get her two times, the odds are, again, assuming you're doing everything else right, that she's going to stick around. It's very rare. I think I've had one or two in my life who left me right after the second time we had sex. Very rare. I've had plenty who left me after the first time, but after the second time, it's very yeah. Rare. So they invest in you after that point. Yes. They're invested and they're comfortable. It is normal okay. to them. It's not a venture outside of their comfort zone to be with you sexually anymore. And then this transfers into the implicit phase, which we said lasts three to five months based on how good you are. But at some point, though, there is a time where the woman's going to want to talk about the relationship. What is that called? So... During the implicit phase, if she brings it up, I just made a blog post about this, but if she brings it up, you need to not answer the question. You need to dodge it however you want to dodge it based on your personality. Now, if you're a very blunt guy, you would say, I'm not talking about this. If you're not that blunt, you could just give her a smart-ass answer and change the subject. And she'll put up with that for at least, again, if you're doing everything else right, all the rules, three months, preferably five, six, seven months. I've had one go a year. And then at that point, then they put their foot down And your techniques of dodging the question aren't going to work anymore. She's going to really, really want an answer. And that's called the verbalization point. And that's where you sit her down and you say to her very clearly in your language and in very loving language, particularly if she's an MLTR, because you should know by now if it's an MLTR or FB, that you want to be with her and that you want to spend time with her and you want to build a relationship with her, but you will never be sexually monogamous. There will always be some playing around the side no matter what, for the rest of your life, because that's who you are. This is also maintaining congruency with what your behavior during EFA and implicit, which is you were never right. committing the to reason this right. serious with her or just exclusivity. Yeah, the reason this works so well is because you're not a monogamous guy who made all these monogamy promises and are then trying to go backwards and say, okay, change my mind, now I want to fuck me women. That's really hard for women to, to swallow. I mean, it can happen, but it's really tough. Under this model, you're being completely congruent. So when you say it, because you've been implicit, you follow the other rules, it's not a surprise to her. She's still not going to like to hear it, but it's not a big shock. Whereas it would be if a guy was monogamous and then came to her and wanted to change his mind. Exactly. That's oh, exactly course. right. And the verbalization point, your whole vibe is still one of outcome independence. You're not trying to keep her there. You're letting her go if she wants to, but you're also telling her that 
I do like you, I do care about you, and I'd love it if you would stay with me, but if this characteristic of us not being monogamous is completely unacceptable to you, I understand, and it's okay for you to go. Right. That it's exactly how I call it the talk. And so you basically tell her what you just said, that you want to be with her, that you care about her. If you love her, you can tell her that. I love you. Whatever you want to tell her that is true. Don't lie. Be honest. But you want a long-term relationship with her and that you hope that she stays. That would be wonderful because you don't want her to go. But then you, yes, you add into the end of the conversation, the end of that statement. Very important. If you feel you need to go, I understand. I, I totally get that. I understand if you need to go. I hope you don't. But I'll let you go if you need to do that. And you know what? She has never heard that from any other man in her entire life. Because every other man she has literally, I'm being very literal here, every other man she's ever been in a relationship with, alpha or beta doesn't matter, has said to her, don't leave. Don't go. Stay here. And when she hears from you, this is the way I am. I really care about you. But if you need to go, hey, that's, that's cool. Massive outcome independence. It jacks the attraction up into the stratosphere, even if she's upset. And that's why it Very works. beautiful. So she views you with way more respect and way more dominance also. Way more. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> right. And generally what happens, the result of this, in my experience, and the experience of a lot of the guys who've done this, is that she won't like it. She'll get upset. She might even cry a little bit. She'll leave you and go away to go think about it. Two, three days later, she'll come back. Odds are 80%, 90% chance that it'll work. And when it works, she'll come back. And then she'll sit down and say, okay, fine. And then she'll lay down the rules, okay? As long as you don't fuck my sister, or as long as you use condoms, or as long as whatever, and every woman is different, depends on her personality, she'll start laying out the rules, and that means you've won. Do you have a viewpoint on these rules, like if they're unacceptable rules or acceptable rules to you? Yeah, in my ebooks, I have a list of acceptable rules and unacceptable rules. There are rules, the acceptable rules are, in my opinion, for MLTR at least, so MLTR and OLTR are different. You have a lot more rules in OLTR than in MLTR. But under an MLTR, the only valid rules are the ones I would do anyway. For example, condom usage. I do that anyway. Don't have sex with her mom or her sister. Oh, at least not without checking <laughs> with her first. I mean, normal, common sense things you would do. Yeah. Those normal rules I would do anyway, and those are valid rules to have in an MLTR. If she says anything beyond that, you have a decision to make. Either you upgrade her to OLTR because you like her so much, or you say, nope, not doing that. And then find the negotiation point, essentially. Right. And there's very little negotiation if you made the decision that she's an ML MLTR. The concept behind an MLTR is you can do whatever you want as long as you're responsible. And you can say to her, look, I won't have sex with any of your friends. I will use condoms whenever I have sex. I won't plaster stuff on Facebook with other women. But that's all I'm doing. If you want anything else, I'm really sorry. I can't very promise Very cool. That. And you just leave it there. If she's an MLTR and you just leave it there. And again, odds are she will whine and bitch. But she'll <laughs> that's it. funny. Anyway... And in this system, also, the woman's allowed to do whatever she wants. She can date whoever she wants to in the same capacity. As long as she doesn't put your health at risk. Yes, she can have sex with other guys if she wants. But if she's out hooking up with random guys at bars while she's drunk, you know, five nights a week and not using condoms, well, that's a problem because it threatens your health. Exactly. So as long as it doesn't threaten your health, that's what I tell women. As long as you don't threaten my physical health, you're welcome to do whatever you like. That's a nice system. So it's free, it's outcome independent, and you're both happy at the core of it. Right, right. And I have had instances, not many, but I've had had instances, especially with younger women, where they do go a little crazy. 
And I've had to say, look, this this can't work. You're too crazy. You're out. You're hooking up with dudes at bars or random guys or getting drunk and having sex when you know there isn't being a condom being used. Things like that. Yeah. But beyond that, the vast majority of women aren't going to behave that way. That's that's an exception. So assuming after the verbalization point, they accept your terms and you've talked about this and you've entered the fourth phase of your poly system, which is what you call the queen of the hill. Right. Queen of the hill. So the fourth phase and this phase just kind of lasts forevermore until there's the first listen fitty. But anyway, yeah, the, the fourth phase is what she will likely do. And not all women do this. Depends. But she will likely do is that she will want to be the number one girl. She will want assurance that she is somehow of all these other girls. She's the number one. She's the one you like the best. And she wants some kind of assurance. Now, if she is the number one girl. Great. You're done. Your work is done because she is. If she's not, that's where you have to start being very confident, very outcome independent, very congruent. Don't make promises. Don't lie, etc. And then she'll get the point and she can either make the decision to stay with you or not. So what are some of the things that, uh, you know, she would want from you and how would a woman show these, you know, what kind of signs is she looking for to see that she's number oh, one? Oh, every woman is different. It really depends on her, her personality and her age. It really depends. Things like... She will ask questions like, well, do you go out with these girls? Or how much time do you spend with these girls? Or if you're not using a condom on her, for example, are you using condoms on the other girls? Or th- questions like that. It's mostly about questions. She will start to probe. Because <laughs> <laughs> women are very indirect communicators. And so it'll be, it'll be more about the questions that she asks okay. about the other women. And my general policy for MLTRs is I don't give details about yeah. them. I tell them about it. And now, I, interestingly enough, for long-term FBs, I can't. I can give them all details they want because they don't care. They won't get jealous. Right. You're on time. an FB level and that's established. And that's... Right. Once the woman knows you're an FB and that's all she wants and she understands what you are and that's all she wants from you, then if she asks – or I could talk about all kinds of specifics. And with OLTRs, again, if it's within that relationship parameter where she wants to know about other details, you can give her details. That's fine. But in an MLTR, particularly at the queen of the hill phase, I don't give a lot of details. I don't hide things, but I don't answer okay, questions. Okay, so it's more like averting the question as much as you can. <laughs> right, and I don't avoid. I just flat out tell them, look, I'm not going to give you details. That's good. Yes, Thursday night I was busy and I was with someone. I'm not going to give you details. You don't hear this stuff. Very why, why honest and congruent. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. And so then after this, it's really up to them as to how long they want this to go. Yeah. Right. And very cool, very cool. Have you noticed like uh, differences between the ages and how women respond to this or how they react to, to you? Yeah, there are definitely differences. The only way I can answer that question is to generalize. There are a lot of exceptions to what I'm about to say, but generally speaking, it is easier to get women into relationships like younger women, I should say. The younger they are, the more easily they'll fall into this pattern and and establish a relationship with you, but the more drama and snarkiness you might get during the relationship. Older women, speaking very generally now, there are a lot of exceptions, but older women, it's the other way around. There's a little more resistance going through these four phases with older women. But once you get her there, she's going to be much more content about it, much happier with it. And a lot less discomfort and drama once she gets there. Wow. So, yeah, it's the inverse (laughs) between both. It is literally the inverse. And again, that's a very broad generalization. There are women of all ages who fall into this model very cleanly and stay in the model very cleanly. There are women of all ages who are resisting you at every fucking point. You know, at that point, I next, but a lot of guys keep going. Every point, even all throughout the phases and then throughout the whole relationship, there's problems. And then there are women who are not the stereotype. There are younger women who have more trouble with this initially, but once they get comfortable with it, they're very happy with it. And there are old women who are the inverse. So it's, 
I'm making a broad generalization, but generally speaking, that's yeah, of course. And we're talking about across the board <laughs> some patterns, but everyone's an exception to the rule in some ways. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. But how do you actually manage these relationships? Do you have rules you follow and the way you treat these women in any phase? What does it look like? Yes. So there's many rules. There's several rules and they're all very important. And every time I have a guy who presents me with a problem in his non-monogamous relationship, 99% of the time I can trace it back to one of these things that he's not doing. I'm not kidding. 99%. It's, often I'm at the point now where they can tell me a problem and I can literally say, you don't make her come, do you? <laughs> I can actually figure out which rule they're not following. But I'll just give you the list. You can stop me whenever you want. The first one, and there, there's no priority to these. They're all important. Well, let's go to them one by one. So, all right, right. Uh, we can describe them and talk about so them. So the big one, there's, there's a few big ones. The big one, the one that guys screw up on is once a week. You can only see them once a week. If she's an FB or MLTR, OLTR is different. But if she's an FB or MLTR, you can only see her once every calendar week. And a lot of guys ask questions, well, does that mean once every seven days? Or if I see her on a Friday, does that mean I can't see her? If you see her once in a calendar week, that's good. So if you see her on a Tuesday, you don't want to see her again until the following Sunday at the earliest. And the once a week visit can be as long as you like. So if it's a long-term MLTR you really like, that once a week could be she comes over to your house Wednesday morning and she stays all day and she spends the night with you and uh, spends all day with you Tuesday and goes home that afternoon. Right. Or maybe spends the weekend with you and spends, spends Saturday night or spends Friday night. That's your once a week. And then you don't see her again for a week. So once a week. If you see a woman more often than once a week, it increases all the things. It feels good initially, but it increases all the problems and all the things that we men don't like. It increases the drama. It increases the betaization. It will increase her monogamy vibe. It'll increase the number of demands. It'll increase her expectations. It increases all the bad things if you see women more than Okay. And this is once per calendar week. So, for example, you can see her on a Saturday night and then on a Tuesday the next week, but then you can't see her until some other day the following week. Right. That's the easiest way to remember it. Yeah. If you just say once every calendar week, you're good, good to go. Good, good. And that's also so that she doesn't get too many monogamous feelings of you as a traditional boyfriend that's... Not only that, that's one reason. Another reason is you don't want her too comfortable with you too quickly. The more you see her in a given week, the faster she'll get comfortable. Okay, and then comfort means that she'll get bored quicker as well. Bored and take you for granted. Okay. And what you said. And she'll have monogamy assumptions. Oh, this is my boyfriend now. So I can start treating him like a boyfriend. A boyfriend does this and a boyfriend does that and a boyfriend does this. She's not going to get that feeling if you see her once a week. And will she get be taking you for granted or will you be taking her for granted? Or both, perhaps. She'll be taking you for granted. Whether or not you take her for granted is based on your personality. Some guys get bored faster than others. Right. Depends on her. Your personality depends on how pretty she is to you, all kinds of other factors. We're talking about, but when I say for granted, I said her. She's going to start taking you for granted faster if you see her more often. And that's just mathematics. Okay. And you'll see this with relationships when guys who hang out, they get a new girlfriend and they hang out with her every day. Uh, and for a while, it's great. And, and very soon, the drama starts within a month or two. The drama starts in. <laughs> Whereas for me, the drama, there's no drama period. I can go years without having drama. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, all the problems that apply to most guys do not seem to apply to you, <laughs> which is... Right, right. Because, very, yeah, it's, 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 and it's not me, it's, it's the, the model, model. Yeah, the way you've set it up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, moving right. on to the model. So we see a girl once a week and no more. Once a week, once a week and no more. The next one is to always make her come when you have sex. Okay. 
And this doesn't sound intuitive at all, and it doesn't even make sense as to why this would be a rule, but I promise you, as a guy who did this a lot without doing that and then started doing it consistently, it made a huge difference. In If you bring her to orgasm every time you have sex, you will have less drama. She will stay with you longer. When and if she leaves, the odds of her coming back to you are way higher. That's a big one if you make her come every time because guys don't do this. Guys don't spend the time, including alphas. Men and betas and alphas both, they don't spend the time to make a woman come every time they have sex. Some of them do. A lot of guys do. But most don't. Most don't even know how. Most who know how don't want to do it because they think it's too much work. Mm, yeah, it's that fear of doing it. <laughs> right. And sometimes, I'll be honest, it is a lot of work with certain women. Some women take a long time to get there. And I just have it in my head, she needs to come every time we have sex. You know, I warm up my tongue and I get down there. And if it takes 20 minutes, it takes 20 minutes. I make it happen every time. I enjoy myself, obviously, too. So that doesn't mean I'm not enjoying myself. I do. But I also make sure that she comes. Unless she's one of those you know, small percentage of women who can't come at all. And even then, I'm going to make her feel as good as I can. Of course. And this is a key element that we teach on Girls Chase as well as, you know, why you're actually trying to sleep with her is to show a woman an amazing time and really give her as many orgasms and as much pleasure as you can. Yes. Not only does it help your her view of you, but you're really giving her immense amounts of pleasure that no other men can really give her or have the attention to give her. And so, and that's the key. You just said it. No other man can give yeah. her. So when you're making her come every time and a few months later, you're going to flat out tell her, I'm going to fuck other women while I'm dating you. If other men tell her that, she's like, F you, pal, and she's gone. But when you tell her that, she's going to have in her mind, before she tells you to fuck off, she's going to stop herself and go, well, you know, God, he makes me come. No other man has ever done that. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what she's going to think at least subconsciously. Absolutely. It and works. it's true. A lot of men just don't focus on the woman's pleasure. They just focus on what's in it for them. And this is a huge turnoff to every kind of woman out there. Right. At least not initially, maybe. She might like a really dominant guy who fucks the shit out of her and doesn't care because he seems very confident. But over time in a relationship, yes, it's going to, if not bother her, at a minimum, she will compare you to a guy who is better than you. Exactly. That's and so women do. when women talk to other women about guys... That's what they talk about. How do they compare to other guys? And when you're making your statements about who you are and who you're not, or when she leaves you or not, or when she's considering coming back to you or not, that's what she's going to think of at a minimum, if not consciously, subconsciously. He fucked the shit out of me. He made me come. No other guy I've ever been with made me come. Every or time perhaps that he put me first in bed and put himself second. And that's something that no other guy does. Yeah. Fine. Right. Matter of fact, that's actually how I do it. I make sure they come first. before. Uh, that's I a really good thing. Because when I do, it's all over. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it's usually ends pretty quickly. So I also try to, you know, delay as much as I can. And it's, it's totally, it works amazingly because they keep coming back for more and they talk about other guys or their, sorry, other girls you're seeing a lot less. It's just less drama, less of an issue completely. Just like with the once a week rule, if you violate that, it increases all the bad things. Making her come every time you have sex increases all the <laughs> All of course. Of and now we're talking about more bad things that guys can do in the system is perhaps do boyfriend behaviors and treat her like a monogamous girlfriend. Right. So the next rule is no boyfriendish behaviors. And this is a tough one to describe to guys because a lot of guys don't understand what that means. But you can take a girl out to dinner or out on a date without acting like her boyfriend. You can be with a woman and see her regularly and really care about her without acting like a boyfriend. So what does a boyfriend do? Random examples. Boyfriends, do boyfriends text once a week or do they text all the time? Mm, I say they text all the time. They text all the time. 
boyfriends text their girls all the fucking time. Betas and 1.0s. 1.0s to check on them. Betas because they're lonely. They text their girls all the time. So minimum initiation of contact, which is another rule. But you're not texting her all the time. You're not buying her gifts. When you go out, even if you pay the bill, there's an expectation somewhere in there that occasionally she kicks in for the bill. So occasionally I will ask the women I see to kick in for the cost of the dinner or whatever we're doing. Or if you travel together, she's buying her own plane ticket. Maybe you're buying the plane ticket and the hotel and the food, but she's kicking in for something. So there's some skim in the game for her. Right. You're not lavishing her with compliments. Oh, baby, I love you so much. Oh, you're so sexy, baby. Oh, you can tell her she's pretty once you're in a relationship occasionally. That's fine. It's not overkill. A lot of guys do this. You're not posting on her Facebook page. Oh, baby, I just wanted to post and tell you how much I love you. You're so cute, baby. That's what boyfriends do. You're not going to do any of that. And again, you can still be in a romantic relationship with a woman you have feelings for without acting like a boyfriend. Of course. And making a very key distinction between provider behaviors versus lover behaviors where you know, a provider would do everything you said just not to do. And because you're more of a hybrid between a lover and a provider, you're making that clear distinction you do some... Yeah, that's a good way. Of, and that's a really good way of saying it, lover versus provider, yeah. Interesting. What are some other, like, you know, what are some texting rules for contacting or, you know, initiating her? So the general texting rules is you don't want to be... Con Just like you don't want to see her once a week, you don't want to be contacting her every day. You don't even want contact every day. So A, number one, you need to minimize the amount of initiation of contact you make. The only time I initiate contact with women via text is when I'm setting up the next date. Okay. That's literally, unless something weird's going on, that is literally the only time I text a woman. That's it. Now, they can text me more often, and they usually do. Women like to text. Women like to talk. They like to communicate. And that's fine. So I answer. You can answer her whenever she texts you, but you're not going to initiate unless it's a, for a logistical reason. You're never going to send her texting, hey, baby, just thinking about you. How's your day today? Nope. <laughs> you're not doing that. Again, MLTRs, FBs. OLTR might be a little different. We're not talking about yeah, OLTRs. Yeah, a little right more now, serious. That, so that could be like... A yeah. little bit. So a little of that in OLTR is fine as long as you don't go over, overboard with it. But yes. But you're not doing that. Now, the other side of this is some women – I'll get emails on this occasionally. Most women won't text a guy every day because, again, women are good at playing it cool. But occasionally, you'll get a woman who will text you every day. That's not good either. You're not initiating, but you are in communication every day. Bad. It's going to set up the boyfriend vibes way up. So you need to start delaying how long it takes for you to respond to texts. Maybe every other day you need to ignore the texts. Even if she gives you crap about it on the phone over texts, you need to start backing it off, get it down to maybe once every other day and maybe once every three days. Interesting. And women are not stupid. Women get the point. They understand this. So way. in a way, you're communicating to her that you don't talk to her, text her that much, but you still do care about her, which you show her when you hang out and when you're actually meeting right. her. Right. And that's the model that I follow is that when she's not physically with me, I'm busy, which by the way is true. I'm busy working. I'm busy spending time with my family. I'm busy at the gym. I'm busy trying to lose weight. I'm busy traveling. I'm busy hooking up with other women. I'm busy. So I'm not even worrying about her. But when I'm with her, she's the only person in my universe. She's the only person in my life when I'm with her. And I followed that model for years. And I naturally do that. It's just I have a very compartmentalized personality. This is how I work anyway. I didn't have to try to do that. But that model really works well. And then yes. when you're actually with her, you're fully present and you're actually fully engaged. Which Fully is I'm fully present. I'm fully engaged. I've had people ask me, well, do you ever yell out the name of the other woman when you're having sex with a woman? Never, because that's not how way I work. When I'm with a woman, sexually or not, even if we're just talking on the couch, I'm 100% there with her and with no one else. I'm not thinking about anyone else. And that's just the way, again, I think yeah. naturally. 
the, as best you can, you should emulate that model, I think. Yeah, a lot of guys works. make that mistake where they're actually thinking about a different woman than the one they're, they're with at the time, and so you'll s- screw all that up. <laughs> yeah, that's very bad. Yes, yes, yeah. you're right. Yeah, it's not uh, Which is bringing up actually a bigger point, you know, with all these no-boyfriend behaviors and such, adhering to the type of relationship you have. For example, FB versus MLTR. Yes. Yeah. What does that look like? So, well, what's funny is I'll get questions. You still see these questions too on forums and things. You'll see a guy who goes on, makes a post on a blog or a forum or sends you an email and he'll say, so I had this FB, she's a fuck buddy, and uh, we went out and saw a movie and we went out to dinner and then later that night she gave me a bunch of drama. What the hell? What the fuck? Okay, that's not an FB if you're taking her out. You don't take FBs out. You take MLTRs out. What happens with guys is they'll have a, a classic example. They'll have an FB and they're not congruent with her being an FB. So they'll go out with the FB. They'll take her out to a bar. They'll go get dinner. They'll go do fun stuff. The FB starts thinking, oh, he really cares about me. So when they start, when these same guys start clicking back into FB mode, you're just an FB, the women get confused and they get hurt and they get angry. And it's 100% the men's fault when they do this. It's your fault if you're not treating her the way that she actually is in your life, if you're incongruent. And definitely women will give you problems with this and it's your fault. You weren't behaving congruently. So when I say things like, FBs don't spend the night. Guys will say, well, that's mean. I'm not going to kick her out. The problem is, dude, if you don't kick her out, if you let her spend the night and cuddle with you all night, the next time you hang out, when you try to treat her like an FB, you're going to have all kinds of problems and hurt feelings because you're not conveying who you are and what you want to her in a congruent way. You're hurting her if you let her spend the night, but mentally she's just an FB to you. Very important. Right. And that congruence is where all the drama starts <laughs> or that lack of congruence. Right. And it's your fault. It's the guy's fault when they do that because women can get very upset. Well, of course they are because one minute you're treating her like a NLTR or even a girlfriend and the next minute you're treating her like an FB and she's like, excuse me, what the hell? And you have all kinds of drama and arguments and bullshit and it was your And fault. so you've mentioned to me personally that you think all men should figure out the role that a woman plays in their life or what she should play during the EFA phase, during those first two weeks that they're actually getting to know each other. Yeah, within two weeks, you should know very clearly FB, MLTR, or a worst case scenario or best case scenario, OLTR candidate. Interesting. One of those three categories, you should have her in one of those three boxes because if you don't, you're not going to know how to treat her. And you're going to be very wishy-washy about how you're treating her and who she is. And it's going to come through for her. And it's going to be – it's going to be – Oh, yeah. It's, it's very confusing. And so she'll want to you know, try to resolve that confusion within her head and find out where she stands in your life and vice versa. <laughs> That's how all the problems begin. Yep. Yeah. And speaking of problems, you know, I'm sure there's relationship talks involved here or perhaps lacks thereof. Uh, relationship talks – well, it depends. If it's an MLTR – there shouldn't be any relationship talks unless you're having the big talk, the verbalization point, or unless it's a very long-term MLTR, many years, and you're thinking about upgrading her to OLTR. Relationship talks are only for OLTRs, not MLTRs. Okay. But you know, you almost never have these anyway. Yeah. Even when I had an OLTR a few years ago, I didn't have a lot of relationship talks. No. The more relationship talks you get, the more providerish you get. And the more sappy it gets and the more – the weaker your position becomes. Now, again, if it's a serious relationship, you're going to have to have some relationship talks and those are okay. But there are a lot of guys who fall into this relationship talk habit. Every time that she wants to talk about the relationship, and women often do, these guys fall right into it and they're having relationship talk after talk after talk after talk two, three times a week for weeks on end. 
and they wonder why their relationship is all fucked up. Well, because you're, you're talking too much, dude. So for you, you would tell those men to just stop and don't talk to them once in a while or, you know, ignore one or two of those requests. No relationship oh, Okay, talks. no talks, period. Period. Don't do it. You've already had the talk, assuming you've had that talk. She knows who you are. She knows what you're not. She knows. If she wants anything more and you've said clearly, no, I'm not doing that, that's it. That's the end of the discussion. There's no more talks. Again, unless you're talking about upgrading or maintaining an OLT. Interesting. If it's an MLTR, or definitely an FB, no relationships with talks at all for an FB. No, there's no talks. Yeah, otherwise you'll have this drama that eventually will pop up. It's a no-win scenario when a woman is not an OLTR and you get into these relationship talks. It's always a no-win scenario for the man. Even if you argue for an hour and you tell her no, 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 which as a guy you're not going to do, especially if she's really pretty and really fun. But even if you were to do that, you have still lost the end of that conversation. She's going to walk away just as pissed off as she was before. And the next time she sees you, she's going to start it all over oh, again. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> so it's all a big cycle. My God. Right. So, okay. So there's drama in your relationship. And how do you how do you handle that? You know, maybe a woman doesn't like that you're seeing other women and she decides to start yelling at you about it. What do you do? Right. It's the concept. It's a technique called the soft next. And so there's soft necks and hard necks. And a soft next is when you gently kick a woman out of your life. For anywhere from two to seven days, you do not contact her at all, and you do not respond any contact from her at all. And after the nexting period is over, excuse me, you resume the relationship like nothing happened. You just resume it as if nothing happened. Wow. And I've done this many times with many women of all ages, personality types. It is the most powerful weapon that a man has in his relationship arsenal. When men try it the first time and they do it right, they are shocked at how well it works. Because when she comes back into your life, she is going to be the nicest, sweetest, most sexual, most compliant woman you've ever been with in your entire life. It'll be almost like a different woman. And you won't believe it. And when I describe this to men, they panic and they say, that can't work because it's very difficult for men to understand why this works. But the most important thing a woman needs from you is attention. Okay. More than security, more than love, more than sex, more than money, she wants your attention. And when you remove attention from her by removing yourself from her life and not responding to her texts or phone calls or Facebook or whatever for a few days, it's extremely painful for her in ways that we can't even understand as men. Because when you're yelling at her, calling her a bitch, she doesn't like it, but at least she's getting your attention. But if she's texting you and you're not responding, oh my God, that's painful for chicks. They hate it. And they will do anything to never have that happen again. Wow. So it really strikes a deep chord within them. They get really like <laughs> irritated or annoyed or confused. Right. And the other benefit is that you can modify behavior without any drama. So when a woman tries to argue with me, I don't argue with her. I next her. There's no argument. There's no discussion. And I've talked about the 20-second rule. I'll give a woman 20 seconds to vent her feelings and to tell me what's wrong. But if she keeps going and screaming and yelling and hollering or insulting me, soft next. She's out the door or I'm out the door. And she doesn't hear from me for two to seven days. And she can text me all she wants. She can call me all she wants. I'll block her number if needed. Rarely do you need to do that, but, but that's something you may need to do with some women. And then at the end of the period, you text her again, you meet back up, and you proceed as if nothing Wow, happened. that's incredible. So this is a really like outcome-independent process, too. Very, you, know, you really don't care very. if you see them again when you do it because she's causing so many problems anyway. So Right. And I know from experience you will see her again. The odds of a soft next turning into a hard next, which is permanent, is extremely – matter of fact, I don't think I've ever had it happen. I've never soft next a woman and had her not come back. Yeah, unless I'm forgetting about somebody. Wow. That's, that's never incredible. happened. Yeah. But, and that's the reason that monogamous men don't do this. 
monogamous men can't be outcome independent because she's the only girl. Right. So you have one itis and you so, have to keep her around. And so Right. So they're like, I can't I can't kick her out of my life. What if she comes? Yeah, you just you won't be able to do it. At the core of it, you're always scared if she's actually going to leave and you know yeah, what will happen. Right. Which is <laughs> also kind of why it works on her. Happen. She's scared that you're gonna leave, especially if she knows you're with other women. Wow, yeah. Oh my god, he found another girl he likes better than me. Oh my god. I mean that's one of the many fears that comes into play when that happens. Right. Yeah. And what are the standards that you have, you know, that you would soft next to a woman? Um, I, have I think a... that's the key thing because a lot of guys, including myself, misunderstand, mm -hmm. you know, what she has to do to really, you know, get that response. That's a really good question. Here's my answer. Every guy's going to be different, but I'll give you mine. I have a very high standard in my life for happiness. And I have a very, very low drama tolerance. I don't like any drama at all for any reason whatsoever, ever. Ideally, I would never have any drama with anyone for the rest of my life. That'd be great. It's not going to happen because human beings are human beings. But in terms of my standards, a woman cannot raise her voice at me in anger. She can bring to me problems. If she has a problem in her relationship and she comes to me quietly and says, hey, Caleb, you know what? I have a real problem. Can we talk about this? Sure, that's fine. I'm not, it won't be a relationship talk, but you can air your problems and I can say yes or no. That's fine. But if she walks in saying, God damn it, how come you never do this? And she's screaming and yelling, insulting. That's not when she can't insult me. I get in anger. Sarcasm is different. But if she's actually angry, she can't insult me. When we meet up at our place, my place or her place, we need to have sex. If she says, I don't want to have sex because I'm mad at you, that's soft nextable. No problem. I will next immediately if she doesn't want to do that. Restricting sex for non-medical reasons mm. is easily a soft nextable offense. If she doesn't want to have sex because she's mad at me, great. See ya. And I'm on to the next woman. And I'll, when you cool off, I'll come back. Right. That's really about it. Drama. Oh, and demands. If she makes demands or ultimatums, you will stop seeing other women or I will leave. Uh, let me save you the trouble, sweetie, and I leave. Mm. So drama demands or refusing to have sex. If, she's, if there's medical reasons, that's different. But if for non-medical reasons, then she's out. Okay, what if she just wants to sleep and, you know, she's like, I'm tired right now. I'm sleeping. I need to get eight hours of sleep. If it's 1 a.m. in the morning, fine. But I never have that problem because I wouldn't wait until 1 a.m. to try to have sex with a woman I was dating. Right. So that's your fault. Okay. If that's the scenario. Now, if it's 6 p.m. and she's like, no, I don't want to have sex. I'm tired. No, that's the stuff that married guys get. And again, I virtually never have this problem. Under this model, it is rare that a woman does not want to have sex with you. You're only seeing her once a week, and you're making her come every time, and you're outcome dependent and confident. She's dying to have sex with you. <laughs> this very rarely happens. I'm trying to think back to the last time I had a woman refuse sex. It did happen. That was about six years ago. Wow. I had one who didn't want to have sex. Yeah. It's very rare. If you're doing all this other stuff, that's extremely rare. Women not wanting to have sex is a problem for monogamous men. Exactly, exactly. Because they're yes, bored. That is monogamous boyfriends or husbands. That's your problem. And when I was monogamous and married, I had that problem all the time. So, yes, that's a monogamous problem. Under an open poly system, it's very rare, unless there's a real medical reason. She said surgery, that's different. Of course, that's different. Of course, of course. But if she's just responding because she doesn't want to have sex, she's mad at you or tired or what have you, nope, I'm out. And then, of course, there's conditional demands, like, I only have sex with you if you do X or Y, or if you stop doing Z. I'm yeah. out. Out. That's right. I'm out of there. And to me, that's another variation of demand. Drama demands or, or no sex. Those are the three parameters. Cool. From what I next. Now, do women do the same thing? You know, a lot of women seem to have this fantasy that the only way they'll be happy or if they'll you know, socially be happy is if they're monogamous. And so this flies straight in the face of, you know, that need or that want that they have. Yeah. Uh, how do they handle it? 
It depends on the person. It depends on the woman. So a lot of women have that desire, but it's not a super strong desire. And that's one of the few areas in which the way that the Western world has moved to the left it has actually helped us a little bit. A lot more women are open to the concept of being with a man and letting him play around because they understand. Another thing, too, is a lot of women are tired of being cheated on. That's a big thing. A lot of women are just sick and tired of the last, you know, women who've had three or four boyfriends and all three or four, all of them cheated on them. And women finally get to the point where, you know what, fuck it. If you're going to cheat on me, let's have it open so I know at least what's going on, etc. So a lot of women are cool with it. Some women who are kind of in the mid-range what they'll do is they will start talking about, once the MLTR is many months old, they'll start talking. They'll say, so if we got married, so if we like moved in together, so if we actually had kids, so if we, and they'll, you know, the questions like that. And then as a man, you can answer those questions or not. That's up to you, depending on what you want again for your life, because hopefully you've sat down and decided what you want for your life, what you don't. Right. They'll ask a lot of questions and they'll try to prod these conversations. And again, no relationship talks, but you can respond or not. That's up to you. A lot of women do that. And then a third category of women, probably the extreme Disney, you know, hardcore religious women, they'll fall into the model and then they'll just start giving you a lot of resistance. I can't do this. And what would my mom think? And, you know, the Bible says this isn't a relationship and I want a marriage like my mom and dad have and blah, 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 blah. Those women don't last very long or ideally you should next those women and then they'll come back later when they date a bunch of other guys who cheat on them and lie to them and things like that. <laughs> so this is called low soft next for temporary exclusivity. Or L-S-N-F-T-E. Yeah, my worst acronym. It's terrible. Um, (laughs) Right. Long, soft, next for temporary exclusivity. That is when, this is very common, happens to you all the time. That is when a woman nexts you temporarily because she has found a guy who will give her monogamy, which you will not give her. So you're giving her everything she wants. Right. Except monogamy. The problem is your competition are most men, which are beta males. And the power that betas have over alphas, particularly alpha 2.0s, is a beta male could walk up to a woman and say, I will do whatever you want. I will promise whatever you want. I will spend all the money on you, whatever you want. I'll do whatever you want. Anything you ask for, it's yours. I'll do it. Unlike that asshole black dragon that you're dating who won't do it. And at some point in the relationship, that sounds very compelling to a woman. Even if she logically understands that he's an alpha male 1.0 and will scream at her, or more likely he's a beta who will bore the shit out of her later. She doesn't care at that point. So she will leave you and she'll say, you know, she'll give this big little lecture about, you know, I found the man who treats me like a lady and, you know, I love you very much, but I need to, I need to find my own path. And you'll, it's, it's very funny. I just smile and nod. Okay, great. And they go off and they'll be with this other guy. And what always happens, what always happens 90 plus percent of the time is that it's either an alpha male 1.0 who starts screaming at her and bossing her around and she starts hating it, or more likely it's a beta male who bores the shit out of her. The sex is boring, he's boring, he's needy, it's a turnoff, and then she comes back to you. 94% of women who do this to me eventually come back. Wow, that's incredible. So you barely never stop seeing the women that you start the system on. Well, eventually you can stop because they don't come back forever. Eventually they may stop coming back. But in terms of the first time they do this, 94% will come back. It's very rare. The ones that don't come back are usually the ones who move away or what have you. Right. I like that you highlighted a key difference between uh, how beta males handle this and how alpha male 1.0s handle this because both will are so outcome dependent that they want to keep the woman at all costs. They won't agree to just letting her go and letting her soft next to you as a man. But the way that they handle it is also different. Like the alpha male 1.0 will start issuing rules and start controlling her in really deep ways. And the beta male, or cheating on her. Or cheating on her. That's a big one. 
He'll promise monogamy and then cheat, which, by the way, is what I tell women. If you go do this, what's going to happen is he's going to promise monogamy and then he's going to cheat. He's going to do the same thing I'm doing, except he's going to lie to you about it instead of being honest. No, he won't. No, he won't. He's different. Okay, bye. And then six months later, 12 months later, sure enough, she comes back. Yeah, you were right. He cheated on me. Yeah, you're right. He did this. Because I often know, not often, but sometimes I'll know, I have a general idea of what the man is, what the, the man that's leaving me right. for. If it's a beta, I can, in both cases, I can tell them exactly what's going to happen. If he's a beta, you're going to really love him for a while. He's going to shower you with gifts, and he's going to put his arm around you and put his picture on Facebook and introduce you to your parents. He's going to talk about getting married. He's going to spend all this money on you. He's going to travel with you. He's going to shower you with attention, and you're going to love it. And they do. Honestly, they do. For the first six months, they love that stuff because they weren't getting it from you. Right. And then after six months, after 12 months, year and a half, depends on the person, depends on the age. They're like, oh, kill me. Get me out of here. I hate this. Okay. If it's a 1.0, it's very clear. He'll promise. He'll make all the promises I'm making, but he'll still do what I'm doing. Interesting. He'll cheat on you. He'll go fuck his ex-girlfriend. He'll hook up with a chick on Facebook. No, he won't. No, he won't. Sure enough, he always does. Yes. And I get a lot of those texts from women. Yes, Caleb, you were right. <laughs> what about like the controlling aspect, you know, the dominance that an alpha male 1.0 might show? That too. They'll grab their phones and they'll go through their phones and then they'll go through their Facebook pages and see who they're talking to. And yep, all that same stuff. And a lot of times these women will say, you know, well, I was with Caleb or so-and-so, if it's you. He never did that shit. Why is he doing this? For you, it's a good thing. It's a good thing eventually. Not immediately. So now again, when a woman leaves you under this model, and she hooks up with an alpha one putter who's very controlling. For a while, she likes it. Women will say, I like it when a man is jealous. Right? You've heard this. Right. I like it when a man is jealous. I don't. It bothers me that you're not jealous. So initially, just like with the beta male, initially, those first few months of that alpha male one putter, they'll love it. He's jealous and he, he looks through my phone and he, that means he cares about me in ways that you didn't. So I really, and they really enjoy it. But then after a few months, they're like, God, again? Leave me, leave me alone. I'm my own person. Stop touching my phone. Interesting. Again, women always hate what they get, even if they initially like what they so get. So they can easily be completely change what they want. <laughs> right. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. So how long does this last? You know, the low soft next for temporary exclusivity. Like, is there a range that you've noticed? A few years ago, I calculated out the averages. I think my average, I think was 15 months was the mean average. 15 months when she actually initiated the next and when we actually had sex again was about 15 months was the average. But that doesn't say a lot. I've had women do this for a month and come back or three weeks and come back. I've had women go uh, years and come back. This year, I was with someone for the first time in five years. Wow. So that's five years. Before that, it's been, I've had another one with, is, let's see, she was three and a half years, four years. So sometimes it can be years. Jeez. Do you have any tips for the patience that you exercise? Like, how do you do it? <laughs> Have sex with other women. There number we go. One. <laughs> number two, have a strong mission in life that has nothing to do with women. Every day I get up and I'm excited to get up because I have a mission and I have very strong, exciting goals, none of which have anything to do with chicks. Wow, that's awesome. And so it's much more easy for me than with a guy who doesn't have a mission, doesn't have goals, and isn't having sex with anyone else. That's the guy who gets broken up by his girlfriend and he's depressed for six months. Amazing. He has nothing else going on in yeah. his life. Women or money. And I say money. Maybe it's not money for you. Maybe it's fitness for you. Whatever area that turns you on in terms of your mission and what you want to accomplish in your life, have that. And fall in love with that. Okay. You can fall in love with a woman too, but fall in love with that first because that will always be with you. Wow. Oh, another thing also on 
the LS and FTE. Have you noticed the difference in time between when beta males and when alpha males 1.0 when their relationships will falter? Like, I would imagine that the beta male relationships last are on the longer side, whereas the needy alpha are shorter. You're right. That was my initial thought, but I'm trying to think back if that's actually true. Yes, you are right. Beta males always can maintain longer relationships than alphas 1.0 or 2.0 because of the promises they make and because what they're doing is so societally acceptable. Beta males are the most societally acceptable men there are for a woman. When you're a girl and you get a beta male boyfriend, everyone will approve of him, right? right. There's not a single person. Your friends will approve. Your parents will approve. Other people you know will approve. Your coworkers will approve. Everyone will like the guy. Even if he's a complete puss, they'll like him. When you have an alpha male boyfriend, 1.0 or 2.0, there is some cause for some complaining, right? Interesting. Yeah, so you're right. And I was thinking back on examples, and yes, based on just my own memory here, you're right. Beta male relationships will last longer. Now, they'll cheat on beta males, too. Women often come back to me while they're still dating Mr. Beta. Wow, okay. And they'll cheat on him. That happens a lot, too. But not with the alpha male 1.0, typically. No, because she really can't. Well, and no, that's not true. That has happened once or twice. That happens a little bit, not nearly as often. It's harder with alpha males because they monitor everything. Yeah, so they're so controlling. <laughs> He's checking her phone. Now, again, women know this. Women with alpha male 1.0 boyfriends know all this, and they have all kinds of systems. They'll, like, put your number and put a girl's picture on it and a girl's name on it. You know, they have all kinds of systems for these things. Women are very good at cheating. Men cheat more, but women are better at it. Yeah. So, yes. Men seem to get caught <laughs> whenever they do it, so. Men get caught. Women can get away with it. Men get yeah, caught. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. That's an awesome podcast with Caleb, also known as Black Dragon, who wrote the book. We covered a lot. We covered a ton, and I think this is so useful. It gives a great perspective into polyamory and non-monogamous dating and just, like, the amount of potential there is and how secure and confident you have to be also within yourself to do all these things. Once again, Black Dragon's book is called The Unchained Man. You can find it on www.alphamalebook.com. And his other websites are www.blackdragonsystem.com and his blog, www.blackdragonblog.com. Caleb, it was really a pleasure, and thank you so much for being part of the Girls Chase podcast. Thank you, too. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of the Girls Chase podcast in about a month's time. Until then, I'm Varun Raja, signing out. Thank you.